A burning fire sparked by desire. To cling to past wrongs or forgive them. Prove your yearning to us or cast them aside. These are necessary to pass. Who would take the rentings of a convict seriously? One of you asked me what my wish was back in Larry's, is that right? Hector, I can never forget what you did to me or to my friends, the people who supported me. Trash. But I want you to know, I am sorry for what happened to you. So you're going to forgive me? Even after all the trouble I put you through. If I destroy you, then I'm no better than you. And in the end, all I'll do is prove that you were right. And then Cass speaks up. Well then, are you two with me? Nash and Abel nod at Cass. He produces a small book and smirks. So here's the plan. Welcome back to episode 16 of Good Job Adventures. I'm Vincent the DM, uh, just like every other time, except for our live episode, which you guys should be uh, hearing from soon. Paul Marchand. Uh, and Paul Marchand. All right, so let's start off this episode with a little bit more flavor text. All of you stand atop the shelf of a black stone cliff, peering over towards the grand mechanism. The platform is fashioned out of metals and gears. The beams raise high into the ceiling, which opens up into a hole punching straight through the stone around it. Cass, Navel, and Ash stare at you from the metallic surface of this contraption. Avel waves at you with his free hand, whilst his other clutches tight on his polearm, and he's impatiently clicking the button at the center repeatedly. Cass turns back and begins to walk towards and inspect a cracked pedestal that pokes up from the center, while Nash shouts up at you. What took you losers so long? We need specialized up there to translate some shit for us. I have a name, Nash. Oh, yeah, that's right, buddy. Uh, uh, she, like, looks at her hand. Uh, yeah, um, you, yeah. Come on. Let's do this. <sighs> okay. I want to whisper to Wilhelm, you see there's a button on that staff now, right? <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, yes, I do see the button on the staff. I think when he presses the button... It activates and you can't move it. So just keep that in mind going forward. All right, it duly noted. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Wilhelm is now fully aware that there is a magical property of the staff that he is holding. So you guys kind of see like a ram shackled ish like path 
all the way leading down to this uh to, to this platform and i assume you all pretty much like head on down there right mm-hmm. maybe breath weaver should lead first this time him in the rear was a disaster <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe i should be in the middle that might be the safest place the safest bet so you guys all do the conga line down the rocks. Like Nash is just looking at you guys, like rubbing her temples. Abel, Abel looks pretty excited. He's 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 ready for this. Uh, and as soon as you guys step foot onto the platform, uh, this lift is kind of designed just like the wall in the previous room. It's it's an intricate design that seems to be uh, that seems to have a faceless being that now seems to have changed and has a pair of horns and a tail sitting in a lotus pose, encircled by countless other faceless beings. Wolves, bears, dwarves, and a shagging-looking human in a pullover, inflicting harm on one another, biting heels, stabbing backs, choking one out another. A complete circle of hate. So while you guys are standing on here, you kind of just like meet up with like a cat, uh, with uh, Avil and Nash, uh, and you see Cass is still st- standing towards the center. If anyone wants to take a look around, uh, you can go ahead and do so. I would ask for an actual investigation check just to see if you want to discern anything special. Discern any, anything special about, like, the rocks or... Just, like, I guess I would say in this instance, the lift. Okay. I was, first, I was confused why there's, like, a, a picture of the CNN debate carved onto this platform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, now we've dated this episode. <laughs> Plumbo will be un- re- undated every four years when there's another CNN debate. Exactly. No, all right, Vin, um, what I'm going to do is Vilhub is going to cast Guidance on himself and then investigate the lift. Okay. So, one second. As you cast Guidance on yourself... Oh, no. I'm going to roll something. It's that purple eye again! Yo, Big Half, give me a hand here. Bun held, oh. too. So, as you cast... Uh, <laughs> as you cast Guidance... Uh, how, I, I don't think, now, at the current moment, does Wilhelm consider Nash and Abel to be enemies? Probably not, no. Okay, so as you cast Guidance, you see everyone looks at Wilhelm, and I, I assume you've all seen, like, the Thor movies, but, like, wreaths of lightning start to emit from him like a storm cloud, and they start to, like, spark off of you as your eyes gr- grow, like, light with power, and you see him just, like, start to like grow and it's just like ah and he taps his back and then like it d- completely disappears and you've cast guidance on yourself that was disturbingly sexual um ah uh, i uh what it's Wilhelm just goes like super saiyan to cast fucking guidance <laughs> you pretty much rolled super saiyan to cast guidance you feel actually imbued with lightning energy and guidance all right i'm gonna investigate the lift now this seems like using a nuke to kill a cockroach. <laughs> Pretty much. And even though that wouldn't do much. Yeah. Which is I rolled exactly an 11. Did. Hold on. <laughs> I rolled a 13. So you look over the lift. You're, you don't really see with a 13 anything that would merit like a, anything different. It just looks like the design has been slightly altered from the wall slash door that you saw in the previous room where you started in this tower. But now you kind of know that something is going on here when when you cast a spell you 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 felt some sort of surge of energy and i think ander wanted to say something uh i was gonna go over to where nash was was talking about looking at with my special eyes well if there's magic it's like if it seems to react to magic that might not be good are his eyes magical though hey do we know for a fact that we can't read this without magic eyes oh yeah that's a good question 
He knows like 27 languages. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to read this without magic eyes or whatever is there. So you go over to Nash and then she looks at you and she's like, no, not over here, dude. Like over near Cass. It's that freaking pedestal. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. That was rude. It's that pedestal over there. Go on, go get it. Good boy. That's not just condescending. Yeah, Anders, so you, you walk over to the pedestal where Cass is standing. So before, you notice that there's like some fucky magic going on right now. So I guess you wouldn't activate Specialize and just see if you could read it first. So you walk up to this pedestal and it's heavily cracked and deformed. You can't really read too much there, but you are able to tell what is written is in Celestial and you can make out these words. Two that were one. One are now two. A clash of both are required. All right, uh, Nash, you should really read up on your celestial. So she kind of just like looks at you and she kind of just puts her arms out like kind of wide, like in a like, why would I, why would I do that type of like phrase? Cause she really doesn't care. So Cass is kind of standing near you, Ander, and he's like, so, um, so what does it say? Two that are one, one are now two. A clash of the, a clash of both are required. Uh, he smirks for a second. He's like, yeah, that sounds about right. So you see him take a look around. Now, I want to know where everybody is right now. Is this an after Clash of Clans? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Download today. It's like that, like a little link. There's like an X mark on the pedestal, but you can't quite click it. I'm probably hovering around like Wilhelm, probably somewhere kind of by like Nash and Abel as well, like kind of that group. Okay, so I know, all right, so I assume that's where most people are. So I know that Ander is by the pedestal with Cass. And where is Elagos? Uh, Elagos is probably with Awul and not Ander. <laughs> okay. Ooh, and not ow. Ander. All right. Damn. So, so you see Cass and he, he kind of looks over towards, towards you, Elagos. He's like, hey, Elagos, I want you to come take a look at this here. I want to make sure I've got it right. What do you think that I can do that you can't? Anything you can do. Well, it's written in Celestial. Aren't you? Or wouldn't you be familiar with something like that? Uh, no. Hmm. Okay. It's, hang on, hang on. Let me just, out of character, let me check the language. Elagos is just like, no. He just like go, flashes back to the four years of like college he had it, for like. It's a completely foreign language to me. Sorry. Hmm. All right, well then. Well, thanks for the help, Ander. I think I'm going to have to mull this one over for a bit. And then he uh, he continues to just stare at the at the actual pedestal as you you all are kind of all grouped towards the center now, and Cass paces back and forth as you guys are pretty much just like straight chilling, not doing much of anything right now. So you guys can say anything or to anyone or do anything at the moment. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk with uh, Nash and Abel. So what's what's going on with Cass? He seems, well, you know. Uh, I think he's just trying to get through this tower, Nash responds. She kind of like looks over. She's like, she, he's not really sure what that pedestal means. So we needed uh, Ander, but he definitely for sure said he needed your help with something. And I'm not sure what. Uh, I'm going to roll insight to see if I can tell if she's hiding something. So 19. Uh, she is not lying to you. She has been told that Cass, uh, Cass has said you believe what she is true, that he requires your assistance or something. He didn't ask about lying. He just asked if she's hiding something. If if there's something she's not telling me. Does she have the Afi Komen? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. She. Um. You, you kind of feel like what she's saying is true, but there's more to it. Nash, 
if there's something you're not telling me, I need to know. Uh, and she kind of she kind of like looks towards you. She's like, "Well, Elagos, there's a lot I don't know uh, right about now, and I'm not sure exactly what's right or what's going on. All I know is that what Cass told me, and I'm here to ride it out." Nash, I I expect this of Cass, but not of you. Stop dodging the question. Tell me what you're not telling me. And. You see Abel step in, and he's like, he, he says to you, he's like, she's told you all she's going to tell you. If you want to get more answers about Cass, you should go ask him. Fair enough. I step forward now. Nope. So what are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and Nash looks at you, she's like, the weather! And then she, like, throws her hands up. Like, what do you think we're talking about? Cloudy with a chance of sass, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. Uh, she, she, like, tries to go for, like, an up high, but then realizes she probably won't get one. Forecast calls for snub, and I turn away. <laughs> gotcha. You, you guys are pretty much all standing there, and you see Cass comes on over, uh, to the pedestal. And I assume, Andrew, are you still there, or did you rejoin with the party now? Uh, I'm still looking at the statue, seeing if I can, like, figure out anything else about it. And Elagos is gonna start walking over that way. I'll go over there, too. All right, so we've got Breathweaver, Elagos, and Ander kind of just like stand, standing near the platform, uh, well, the, uh, the the raised pedestal, just to see what's going on. You see uh, Cassie's you come over, and he's like, ah, oh, Elagos, uh, perfect. Exactly who I needed. Ander, I think I understand uh, exactly what's written here. You do? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It says that two things were one, so that much is, is, uh, is obvious, and now there are two. When we came in here... I definitely had a reason. And in that previous room, I proved it all to you. And now I want to know, and I'm fairly certain, that Elagos, you have another reason for being here, right? Uh, I, I guess. Perfect. I think my assumption is in the right place. So you see he kind of like grabs onto both of you, Breathweaver and Ander, like as like a, just like a, a man-to-man talk type of thing, like hands on your shoulders. And for a hot second, he just pushes you back about slightly. He's like, could you guys... Move over this way just a little bit. I want to try something. Just to move you about like two feet over. Oh, okay. And I'm just going to walk back to uh, where Ahu and Wilhelm are. Uh, Cass, at at any point, do we get to know what the plan here is? He's like in about, he's counting in his head, about three seconds. And then you see his hand kind of turn yellow. uh, And his fingernails start to grow, uh, like razor sharp. And he swipes at the pedestal smashing it to pieces, and those pieces begin to bubble and dissolve. The platform shakes, and the surrounding area vibrates with tremors from the cave. And then you begin to hear it. Gears grind against one another as the ground begins to illuminate from the edges of the elevator. Rocks come loose from the echoes and begin to fall as debris, small chunks smashing into the floor around all of you. I'm going to take my shield and like kind of use it to cover uh, Ander. Ander walked away, didn't he? Oh, I thought I thought there was like another person with me. You, you let Breathweaver get hit. <laughs> yeah, you see, you let Breathweaver get hit. Oh, yeah. So it would only be Breathweaver, Elagos, and Cass currently on like this this little section Breath right Weaver here. There. <laughs> Breathweaver. So you're able to block some of it. It's only small debris, and the complex designs uh, on the ground seem to become more vivid and imbued with like an unknown energy that crawls slowly to the center, uh, but appears to be halted like towards the edges, and then. The innermost circle upon the tiefling that you, all three of you stand right now, the design begins to raise itself above the rest of the platform. 
and a thick shaft of black crystalline gears appear from beneath the circle and seem to be suspending the center platform, creating a high-pitched whirring as they spin at incredible speed. Sparks fly off of the contraption, sending arcs of lightning to collide with the ground all around you. And at that point, Cass kind of looks at you, Breathweaver, and he's like, I think you're, you're the third wheel here. And he gives you a deft push. You can make a, uh, de a constitution save if you'd like to resist it. Sure. Why not? 19. 18. You're pushed. Walk up and shovel. Excuse me. <laughs> I am homeless. I am Cass. He kind of just like pushes you back a little bit and then and then you you fall off the th this little platform here. He is very clearly wants to be alone with Elagos right now. Ooh. He's confessing. Uh, so you can see that Breathweaver lands uh, Ander, like right next to Ander, where Ander's standing very close to these crystalline structures and gears. And the shaft begins to spin, and larger bolts of lightning begin to strike the ground. And Ander, when you see one of these bolts of lightning strike the ground, very briefly, runic characters appear in the space before a large gust of wind erupts from the location where the lightning has struck. And then the small platform has reached 15 feet high and separates you, Elagos, from the rest of your party and leaves you alone with Cass. Cass kind of looks towards you and he's like, well, Elagos, I think I figured it out. Uh, so, yeah. Clash? Of clans? <laughs> uh, yeah, Definitely, yeah. <laughs> no. Because uh, I, I gotta say, I'm not totally on board for this. Well... Elios, that's that's perfectly fine. If you want to lay down and die, that's your choice to make. But whether or not you're ready for this, I am. And nothing you do is going to stop me now. At one point, it was you who said, if you're trying to pull something, you had the means to make me regret it. Well, now here's your chance. Uh, and he, like, both of his hands start to glow a green sickly yellow, and we're going to roll initiative. Only you and him. I, I yell up there. Give some hurt to Nine Inch Nails over there, Elagos. Oh my god. <laughs> the reference flies over Elagos's head as uh, it does not exist in this universe. Oh, that's not good. That's a two. All right. So we're going to we're going to start this uh, encounter uh, with actually the platform. So as the rest of you who are currently not in combat, I still have something planned for you. Don't worry. We're going to be enjoying a little bit of a fun mechanic. Ander and Breathweaver are standing very close to the contraption. Nash, Avil, and Wilhelm Aul are standing towards like the edge of this contraption, like kind of dodging rocks at the moment. How many rocks are falling, by the way? Is this like an actual da like dangerous hazard? This is it, it's semi dangerous. It's not it's not dangerous right now, but it will be in the future. I mean, you know, rocks falling has killed parties before. True. It totally has. Uh, so, at the beginning of this turn, I'm going to be targeting right now. So, Breathweaver, I want you to make a dexterity saving throw. The rock is falling on me? Not yet. Okay. I'm making a dexterity save from what, then? Uh... Just make the roll. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> he got crushed by a rock. It's happening. So, you're, you fail. And as, as you're attempting to dodge something, you see from the, uh, crystalline gears that are suspending this, uh this higher section of the platform, a lightning bolt arcs out and strikes you. You take- I like to think that I'm still like sitting down after Kaz pushed me off the pedestal. You're still, you're still sitting down, you're actually, you're lotus posing, you're really taking it, you're really taking it, uh, you're really taking it easy as lightning strikes you for two lightning damage. Uh, and you begin to glow a bright blue. Uh, here, nine out of 10 people struck by lightning turn into dragons. 
dragons. <laughs> no. So we're going to start it off here now with Cass, because he rolled higher than you, Elagos, and he's going to attempt to strike you with his hand. His nine-inch nails, as one would say. Does an eight hit? Back to that again, We're back to this again. Um, yeah, I know, I know it doesn't, but just for just for all time's sake, you know, a human. It does not hit. All right, you, you're able to dodge as he attempts to swipe at you with his uh, with his claws, um, and the like. The sickly green glow uh, brushes past your face, and you're able to dodge it. Uh, so now it is the end of his turn, and it's going to uh, move into your combat space, Elgos. All right, um, Elgos, seeing that uh, Cass uh, now has murderous intent, is going <laughs> to draw his sword. Oh no, it's another stand your ground situation. Duel of the Fates is playing in the background. Dun, 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 dun. That's not Duel of the Fates. Which one is Helm and which one is Mistra? Let's find out. Since I may not get a chance to do this later, I'm going to cast Searing Spite. Searing Smite, rather, now. <laughs> Searing Sprite. <laughs> Searing Sprite. It's like that McDonald's Sprite. It's like, mm, crunchy. But, uh, Ew. so you can... What? You can... <laughs> what McDonald's have you been going to? The good ones. And why are they uh, still open? <laughs> All right, so as you cast the Searing Smite, you see the wreath of flames begin to climb out of your sword, and then for a moment, everything stops. Tokyo Tobare! Zawarudo! You literally Zawarudo. Uh, and then you can see that there is the ability for you to move to an advantageous position. You've been given exactly three seconds. All right, so I'm assuming that uh, Cass has sort of like He's missed me and he's kind of overreached. Yeah, he's overreached and you see like time is moving very slow. Like you can see like like the aura that's around his hand is like very slowly crawling over it. And like you can see his nails are still like growing at very slow speed. So I'm going to move sort of like behind him and to the side so I can strike him at a point where it might uh, topple him. Okay, so you do that. You're going to get advantage on this roll as time kind of returns. Cast like blinks for a hot second and then like he doesn't have enough time to react as you're about to absolutely bop him. God damn it. Hit him. <laughs> and you get like the tinge of fire like starts to like go over your sword. You're the anime protagonist right now. God. 14. 14. Okay. You're able to you're able to hit Cass, uh, so go ahead and make your damage roll. Alright. Oh I hit him? Yeah, you hit him. Oh yeah. 1d8 plus 3 plus Searing Smite, uh, extra 1d6 fire. Damn. This gonna be easy. This fight gonna be easy. For six. And uh, he is now on fire. Jesus. <laughs> Alright. And what's the what's the total damage? Uh whatever. Two plus three, uh, so five plus six fire is eleven. And he's burning alive. Nice. God damn it. Uh, so you're you're able to deal quite a hefty amount of damage to uh, to Cass as you see he just like gets struck with the uh, with the fire blade from his side and he kind of like is trying to pat out the fire on you, uh, pat out the fire on himself, not on you. All right, Cass, have you had enough? And he kind of just like laughs a little bit. He's like, ah, nowhere close. And as you've made that actual that that strike on him, you both kind of like since he's on the ground right now since you since you struck him so well. Uh, he, the you're, you're going to lose your footing a little bit as the lift kind of jolts 
as you notice that the platform that you're all on, everybody, is moving upwards, up into the hole, up the, sh up the four shafts, uh, the four, uh, the four sturdy shafts that you are all on. It's kind of acting as if it's an elevator. That'd be a uh, great band name, Four Sturdy Shafts. The Four Sturdy Shafts. Uh, so, <laughs> now on this turn, it's going to be the, uh, the platform again. So it's going to attempt to make it change. Okay. Uh, this is going to be fun. So since Corley got hit with the lightning last turn, he is now a conduit and is going to be uh, struck with the second one. So a spark hits the ground next to you, and it's going to cover the area around you. So it's going to be uh, collectively around you and Ander for about 10 feet. As the spark hits the ground, Ander, you're able to notice a complex system of runes uh, just appear underneath where it has hit the ground, and a gray aura swirls up, kind of surrounding you, and then it recedes. And then moments later, you taste the awful tinge of metal in your mouth. And now I want you to roll a perception check. 18. Perfect. So unlike Breathweaver in the previous episode, you're able to kind of look up and you see a massive chunk of stone actually heading for your location. Uh, I'm going to warm Breathweaver and try to yank, like, pull him out of the way. Okay, so both of you make dexterity, dexterity saving throws. Breathweaver, you get a little bit at advantage. Nat 20. Jesus. Okay, so you're able to absolutely get out of there. 11. You roll an 11? Is that that's with advantage? Yup. Okay, so Breathweaver, you kind of get like a little bit of a, like a toe stuck underneath it, and you take... You take, wow, oh, only three damage from this rock as, as Ander is able to definitely pull you out from underneath the ground. So you see now that uh, the seemingly vortex of gears is spitting out magic with the ground around it, and everyone now at this point is able to get a an initiative in the turn order per se, just as the party. So you guys will be moving after that. So if you guys want to reposition right now or come up with like a battle plan for this, uh, you can go ahead and do so. A battle plan against what? Against this machine that seems to be blasting out like hazardous material at you. Okay. Uh, Vin, question: Would I be able? Uh, would I be able to cast bless? on elgos uh is it ranged it is ranged sure feet. you can ca you can cast bless on elgos if you'd like so if, if you guys can either support elgos you guys can like you guys can support each other uh nash and avil are currently like battling off rocks that are falling from the ground and like kind of keeping an eye towards the center of the platform okay so the thing with bless is that i can target three creatures they can they can get a d4 to attack rolls and saving throws so who else that isn't elgos yes, wants to, like who wants to be blessed what? I'll take it. I'll take a bless. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Breathweaver. I actually have a plan for Breathweaver, though, after this. He's going to turn into a rock to convince the rocks to attack each other. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> it's like, no, guys, hit them. Yeah. <laughs> hit Cass. Dear God. No, Um. what I'm going to do is Vilhelm is going to bless Elagos, Breathweaver, and Ander. Sure. You son <laughs> of a bitch. Okay, Elgos, Breathweaver, and Ander are currently being blessed. Now Ander can kill better. I'm going to run over to Breathweaver. I'm going to grab his hand to lift him up, like to get him standing up, and as I do, uh, I'm casting Jump on him. Okay, so you cast you cast Jump. So now there's a Jump on Breathweaver, and there's a Bless on three people, so I'm going to have to roll this dice twice. First thing that happens is... Wilhelm, as soon as you cast Bless, you feel an unspeakable rage as you become, you, you actually get thrown into a rage that you've only seen barbarians have before. <laughs> you become resistant to BPS that are non-magical, you have advantage on strength checks and saves, and you have a plus two to damage rolls for physical weapons. So again. like, Wilhelm- Can I still cast spells? 
Yes, you can still cast spells. You've been flung into a barbarian's rage. Uh, now, here's the better part. So, so Aul, <laughs> Aul, as soon as you cast Jump on uh, Breathweaver, you just like see from your hands like a couple of sparks fly out, and then you kind of lurch back five feet as you now feel that you can jump higher. Uh, I would also like to cast... Uh... Uh, as a Goroth's grace on myself from Dragonfly abilities. Okay. What does that do? It's basically it's a uh, it's instead of enhanced abilities, I called it a Dragonfly abilities. It gives me a advantage on Dex checks, and I don't take damage from falling 40, 20 feet. Okay, so you you gain this bonus, and then immediately, Breathweaver, you see uh, the air around you kind of like gets thicker, and a mist appears, and you're going to regain six HP. And who says vaping is harmful to health? <laughs> then I have a I have a request. Um, I know that this is an effect of the tower, flavor wise, but I just I think it would be really good if like every time Wilhelm tried to cast a spell or use magic in any way, he just became irrationally angry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what happened. Like he just got flung into an absolute rage. You guys have all now experienced some wacky shenanigans via spells. And you see, like, Nash is kind of, like, uh, creating orbs of Eldritch Blast to, like, come around her and deflect blows. Is like, uh, Evil, Evil is kind of, like, smacking rocks out of the sky, almost like target practice. Eldritch Blast is a roll, is a spell. Uh, would I also be able to do, like, one quick thing? Sure, just, what do you got? I'm just gonna cast a Mage Hand. <laughs> you just want a random effect, you motherfucker. <laughs> Alright, let's see what we got. Alright. Oh, oh, okay. So you're casting Mage Hand? Yeah. Holy light radiates from you in a short blast, blinding yourself and enemies temporarily, not allies. So as soon as you cast Mage Hand, you just go blind for like a hot second. So the next time you you make an order on your turn is going to be at a disadvantage for a save. But you, you have that Mage Hand. You can't see it, though. He made a seeing eye hand, which he didn't need until he made he it. He didn't need You're able to feel around now. So... So at this point now, uh, Elagos, we're going to go back up to, well, not necessarily you, but Cass. So uh, how Searing Smite works is um, when you end, uh, when you start your turn, all you need to make a con save to put it out, or you can use an action to put it out. Okay. So he made a con save, and he rolled an 18. What is your that DC? probably, I still never figured it out, but that definitely, that definitely. All right, so he, he's able to pass the con save. Does he take damage, though? Uh, no, it's on a failed save. Okay, perfect. So he is able to immediately, like, he whips his, he kind of whips his, like, uh, uh, weird weird looking, like, rags around, and it's no longer on fire. Uh, and then Elagos, he kind of, he kind of just, like, stares at you, and he's like, um, Elagos, I want to know something. What are you wishing for? You know what I'm looking for, but what do you have to gain? What do you have to gain here in this tower? As he makes another strike at you, but this time you're going to notice that there is some sort of like flying objects around his hand and does a does a 16 hit you it does not okay but i want you to make a constitution saving throw that's a 19. okay so you take no damage but you see like slight like black slash white like objects floating around attempting to like get get towards your mouth but they don't they're they're you're able to like blow them away at the last second and he stands up, like, kind of actually kind of pissed now. He's unable to hit you uh, twice in a row uh, as the lift continues to bring you all up further into the uh, into this uh, into this great hole. So it's now your turn, Elios. 
I'm gonna be honest with you, Cass. I was never really a good paladin. I was never good at protecting people, even the ones that I cared about. And he's gonna strike at him. Okay, so go ahead, make the roll. Uh, one of the other paladins, Hector, always said that I was too violent. I say as I whiff. <laughs> as you whiff? What's the roll? It was a three. It was a three. So is this too violent? As you like, as you roll to damage, and you see, um, you see, as you attempt that roll, you're gonna make another Constitution save. All right. Uh, eighteen. You pass as like more like spores seem to try to assault you, and you see Cass laugh for him. He's like, that much is clear. Uh, and now we're actually going to move down uh, to the platform's turn again, where it's going to attempt to randomly target. All right, so lightning is going to launch out towards Aul. And Aul, I want you to make a, uh, I, I want you to make a, uh, a constitution save. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> God damn. So you see, you see like from the ground where the lightning strikes, like uh, you can see like a small orb of light. And then seeing as that you saw Ander uh, get blinded by something very similar before, you close your eyes and like a giant flashbang goes off. Uh, but you're unaffected by it. This is the episode where we ruin all of Vin's plans. This is the episode where Vin hates himself. I really do. <laughs> Since I got a nat 20, can I flavor an additional cool thing? Yeah, sure. So I close my eyes, and as I open them, I see a giant rock about to fall on Wilhelm, and I use my jump to jump like 20 feet in the sky and kick it away. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I like that. Come on and slam. Welcome to the channel. <laughs> you see, he closes his eyes. Billhelm is like just sitting there, clueless, and you just like you absolutely catapult up into the air, like doing an arced backflip, and you kick it off towards the side. And then like you come down, it's like just like ah, you owe me one, bud. Uh, so you hit him, you hit him with that. And as you all uh, speed up towards the tunnel, uh, you're going to now notice something as you guys are going uh, going further up and up this uh, up and up this chasm. For the most part. You notice that the walls in this chasm are bare, uh, but you notice one large section of the wall is crafted from the stone inside of it, and it depicts an image of a tall, faceless woman, dressed in long, flowing robes with hair to match. Her arms seem outspread, and much smaller figures below her seem to be bowing in reverence. The image itself is not too disconcerting, but the large gash that appears from her collarbone to her hips seems to instill you all with a sense of dread as you guys continue to speed on past it. It's quite a large image, but now if you guys want to do anything on your turn, you can go ahead and do so. Did that, like, statue look like it belonged in one of the ones that was missing? Uh, you mean like a, an automaton type of thing? The, the room from last session. Uh, no. No, it, it is not the same. There were no females on the, uh, on the mandala. What about the, like, the people on the platform? You said that we saw, like, faceless beings. Did any of them resemble that woman? Uh, no, none of the faceless beings resemble that woman. In fact, most of the faceless beings are one. There was like a, a, a kneel, like a, a lotus posed um, tiefling in the center, which is now on the raised platform. But the rest of the images on the platform are like of of like faceless dwarves, a faceless like human, uh, wolves and bears, just like kind of in like this circle, like spreading out, um, just like attacking each other. Okay. Kind of like as if they're fighting over something. But you do notice now that you're looking closer at the ground that the energy, uh, the glow that had been towards the edges of the um, this elevator pretty much are kind of creeping towards the center, illuminating the rest of the platform. Uh, kind of like hushing it in some sort of glow. It kind of looks like maybe this would be some sort of timer or uh, the, the energy that is required at the moment. So do you guys want to do anything on your turn specifically now? I think for my turn, I'm going to attempt to get 
Wilhelm to calm down from his rage. <laughs> I will not be calm. Why, why are you so angry, Wilhelm? They're just rocks and lightning. Very, very frightening. Look, look at, look at all of this nice masonry that's getting destroyed. I'm just a poor dwarf. Nobody loves me. <laughs> oh my god. So, like, as you continue to swirl with actual rage, Wilhelm, you just like it. You, you, you know that you have to attack something uh, to keep on going. Oh no. Uh, with the rage, if you want to keep the BPS resistance, uh, but you just feel angry and you just want to punch something. You like something around or get hit by something. Like you can see like rocks <laughs> that if you punch want. Me. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I mean, what I was gonna do was just kind of like punch owl all right so it was like why are you so angry and then he just i apologize i have to do this and, I, and like this punch is like is like the definition of pulling right in my throat punch. too just <laughs> no i'm not going for a fucking rabbit punch no i'm just gonna like punch all his right punch his shoulder roll the roll the head well i rolled a two oh wait hold on still cutting a five you get because of rage uh no, that, Actually, that's a uh, reckless attack. That's reckless oh, attack. Never mind. No, he doesn't get advantage. You completely whiff your attack on uh, <laughs> on Aul there, and then you calm down, noticing that like there's no real reason to be punching him. Uh, and now I just saved him from a giant rock. As I land next to him, he says, "Sorry, Aul," and then tries to punch me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in the right space right now. He's like his face is bright red. Like he's like he's having he has some issues right now. Does now Ander. Uh, you're able to finally see now as like you rub your eyes and like you're just like uh, you're done with that flashbang and you and Breathweaver still have the ability to cast. So my mage hand is actually rubbing my eyes. Your mage hand is rubbing your eyes. You've regained sight. Is everybody kind of like already up the stairs or something? Uh, there are no stairs. You guys are just on a platform. <laughs> so the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. No. By the way, is everyone already on the train? Oh, the train? <laughs> yeah. So, Breathweaver and Ander, do you guys want to do anything? Nope. Um, is there any... Are, are, would you consider these rocks falling loose earth? By the strictest definition. Wouldn't that be the loosest definition? Oh. Uh, uh. Well, it's been fun, guys, but this is my last episode here. <laughs> Good job, adventurous. <laughs> you, can, you can attempt to mold earth. Do you have to touch it? No, it's 30 feet. Okay, so you see like there's small debris that's falling for 30 feet, so do you want to affect it? Uh, I, th it depends on your definition of excavate. Of excavate? It's just instantly excavate it and move it along the ground and then deposit it up to five feet away. Is he like tractor beaming this? Well, if it's excavating, I feel like excavating implies you're removing it from something. Yeah, you know, I think it has to be on the ground for most of these. All right. Okay, never mind then. Well, as you say that, uh, a large chunk of rock seems to be falling towards Ander. Uh, so, <laughs> Ander, would you like to, uh, if you could care to make a dexterity save, or if you want to flavor some sort of spell for this? Uh, how about how heavy are these rocks? This one looks about to be two hundred pounds. So like half a Wilhelm. Yeah, half a Wilhelm. All right, I'm just gonna get out of the way. Well. Of seeing that I was looking at these rocks, contemplating if I can move them. Yeah, you see one heading for Ander. Could I do a dexterity check to help Ander? Sure. Yeah, you can assist him. So now you, you kind of just like push him out of the way like he did for you earlier, and now you have advantage on a dexterity save. All right, so since both Breathweaver and Ander are making dex saves, you can add a d4 because... Plus... Oh, yeah. Uh, Breathweaver doesn't have to. 
I think I want to because I rolled a 12. Add that fucking default, my dude. Ooh, a 15. I have a 17. All right, so, Ander, you're able to completely get out of the way. Uh, Breathweaver, you were able to successfully help him do so. Uh, so, with the power of the bless and the bless proccing, let's see what other terrible thing happens to you. Um, Does it happen to me or Wilhelm? Technically, you. You invoked the energy. You hear a loud popping sound as you push uh, as you push Ander out of the way, and a large gust of air erupts from the location on where you pushed him, and it causes everyone within five feet to be forced back five feet. So you are blasted out of the way of the rock. Ander, without even choice now, is blasted away from the rock, and I think that Wilhelm and and uh, Wilhelm and Aul are not within five feet, so they're not affected by this. But you guys kind of get blasted about five feet away from each other. You see uh, Nash and Abel are kind of like blasting and smashing rocks right now. So anyway, I started blasting. Yeah, anyway, I just started, well, I walked in and started blasting. So as soon as Nash is casting the uh, the Eldritch Blast, you see um, uh, the same gray aura that w that appeared beneath uh, Breathweaver and, uh, before Breathweaver and Ander uh, on the previous turn, appear beneath both Abel and Nash, and a large rock is going to attempt to hit them, and they're going to make uh, saves. All right, so Avil is able to see this and definitely just like gets gets out of dodge and he's like away from it. But Nash, however, is not as fortunate and gets smacked. So Nash is going to, oh my. Die. Well, not die, but Nash kind of gets smashed. Uh, So Nash is KO'd. Smashing. <laughs> yeah, so Nash actually goes down. This this giant rock collides with her, and then it's kind of like that, it's kind of like that thing from like Naruto, where like that that guy's head hits like the giant rock, and the second meteor comes. She just gets she gets knocked out. Like she, yeah, she's, you know, you all get that reference, right? You guys have watched Naruto, maybe. Uh, but yeah, she's she's knocked out cold. As you see, like the debris kind of like cracks uh cracks around the ground. You could see her just like passed out on the ground. At this point, we're gonna move into uh we're gonna move into Cass's turn. So Cass kind of just like gets up after these spores seem to surround him and uh, he, he talks to you again, Elgos, and he says, you're satisfied enough to have friends and move on. You don't have a grudge. Why are you even here? You said you're violent, but I don't see any source of that besides you striking me now, but this is what I want. And he attempts to hit you again, but this time he's going to cast a spell. Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra. Uh, so he casts like this. Sorry, go ahead. This like small, like you see, like a small spark emits from his uh, from his hand, and you're going to make a Constitution saving throw, and then I'm going to roll for random magic. Unlimited power. Uh, sub's five, but I'm gonna add my D4. Okay. This is even if I roll the max, it's not going to save me. Actually, I rolled a six because plus one, so six plus three. Uh, does a nine save? Does an eight hit? No, it does not. So you, uh, for the moment, are blinded and deafened. Oh, actually, no, blinded or deafened. Sorry, you're blinded. Uh, so you're blinded for the moment as he's cast blindness and deafness on you. Uh, and as he's done so, uh, you hear a, uh, since you can't see anything anymore, you, you hear like a, a loud rage sound, like almost like a like a World of Warcraft bloodlust pop. And you you kind of heard the same thing coming from Wilhelm earlier, as he is <laughs> flung into a barbarian's rage. And he like like there's veins popping from his head, and you're unable to see this right now, but it's, it's, I'm describing it. Uh, and he <laughs> he is now like available to keep on attacking you in a, in some sort of range. But you are now blinded, and since you used your bless, 
Uh, hilariously enough, uh, you also feel time stop for a moment uh, as like you just hear like him yelling and it's kind of like paused briefly and you remember the exact same feeling. So now it's your turn uh, and you can make a constitution saving throw on your turn to see if you can break out of this blindness. All right. Well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, in my infinite wisdom, I put my d20 back in the bag with the d4. So give me a second. Okay. My infinite wisdom. In your anger, you killed her. Um, all right. So con save. That's a that's worse. So that was a four. Bless again. I can I use bless again? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you can. You yep. can keep using bless. This as many times until the minute's up. Um, I think you know what what I'm gonna do instead. All right, so I know the time is stopped, and I hear that he's coming at me. I think what the move is, is to just put my shield in front of me and just, like, run forward as, like, fast as I can and just try to, like, when I was fighting Raggy and I just put all my weight into his pelvis to knock him down, I'm going to try to, like, knock him down before he gets enough energy to strike me. You hear our all yell, Elagos, break his roots! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so you uh you, you go ahead do that make this roll at disadvantage uh so i guess this would just be a strength or athletics can i use athletics you know what yeah you can use athletics sweet i get plus four now he gets to make one in a barbarian's rage at advantage oh no oh no i don't hit uh four <laughs> plus Ooh. well now i guess i may as well bless jesus four plus two six will not hit actually wait no hang on four Plus four, eight, plus two, ten. I'm guessing it still misses. Ten still misses, uh, but let's see if this helps you. Oh, Jesus. So, <laughs> Elagos, uh, you, in your blindness, you attempt to strike him. Uh, and then as you do, your vision becomes clear as wreaths of lightning emit from you like a storm cloud and your eyes go Thor and you're able to see something now and, a, and an absolute storm cloud uh, comes out of you and lightning lightning veers on to cast. So roll, roll 2d8. <laughs> Jesus. All right. 2d8. That's nine. So you deal, you deal nine lightning damage to, uh, to cast is he's struck with lightning, but he's able to in like the attempted trade to shove you back further, and you're going to take you're going to take six bludgeoning damage as he kind of just like kicks into your shield, uh with with the uh, with the collision that you were attempting to do even though you just thored, uh but now it's actually going to be the machine's turn again uh into the same order with everybody else and it rolls yikes, okay, uh so this one's going to be centered on Wilhelm so Vil. Wilhelm, uh, <laughs> beneath you, uh, is you're going to make a dexterity check as you see from the ground a small seed appears and starts to spread out and vines wildly. He's getting Jumanji'd. It's going to be a, a dexterity save, and it's going to be you, and it's going to be um, Aul, since you guys are within the same like target area. Twelve. You fail. Nineteen. Yeah, you're able to successfully, like, use your jump to get out of the way, as Wilhelm is now ensnared on the ground inside of Roots. Uh, <laughs> is this, like, the entangle spell, yeah, basically? pretty much. Or... So you've, you've okay. currently been entangled and ensnared by this. So Abel is continuing to smash rocks. Uh, no procs of wild magic have come off of him quite yet. Uh, but now you guys kind of have your turn set up to do something. So I would say, uh, Wilhelm, you're just going to be able to roll to get out of here with a constitution save, and the rest of you can do with reactions. 
Could I roll like athletics to try and get my way out? Or? Uh, no, this would be con. This would be a uh, dexterity. Sorry, I said combat. This would be a dexterity saving throw or a dexterity check. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I disagree, but all right. <laughs> that's a that's a three. You are still ensnared. Can I, I check on uh, Nash to see how? Sure. Status. You can go ahead and check on Nash. Uh, roll medicine, I guess. All right, medicine. I've been... That was a nine. Uh, you're able to tell that she's passed out, but it doesn't look like she suffered serious tra- trauma yet. Okay. She, she just took like a, a blow to the head, pretty much. I guess I'll stay over there and try preventing any rocks from hitting her. I, I was gonna just walk over and heal her, but... And I'm still gonna do that. I'll I'll cast cure wounds on her. Okay, so uh, let's... and I'm thinking, how do you breathe life? Obviously CPR. Are you what? gonna spit on her? Are you gonna do mouth? Are you gonna kiss her? <laughs> Don't do that. Oh my god. Real quick, how old is Nash well, again? All right. So let's see what you roll on that. I end. heal her. Nash is Nash should that be sixteen. Seems I heal her twelve. All right. Let's see what happens. Apparently. Well, <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, because does he oh, heal no. himself twelve? Yeah, he does actually. <laughs> I as he, it. as I rolled the three, <laughs> I the spell backfires it. and lurches. So you you attempt to lay hands on Nash to heal her, and then like you just feel like the magic Why on you. you. Put it that way. It's well, lay hands is like the paladin spell. We just see Breathweaver lean in, kiss Nash, and I look much more vital as stop. he stands up. Stop! <laughs> stop! <laughs> so, oh dear God! FBI, <laughs> open up! She's eighteen. I think she is 18, uh, but that still she, does yeah, not make it 18. much better. Yeah. Uh, so at this point now, we're going to head back into uh, Cass's turn. So he's a lot angrier now, uh, and he's going to uh, he, he's gonna just start like shouting at you, Elagos. He's like, you think you're here to save me, Elagos? You don't even know why I'm here. You think I'm here for revenge? You stand here in my way? No, you don't know a damn thing. And he's just going to keep on attempting to strike you uh, with his uh, with his now hand. He's going to make it yellow again, and a random effect is going to pop. And he hits you this time for eighteen for uh, well, with an eighteen, uh, which I assume is your AC. Uh, and he deals nine acid damage to you as the as the claws kind of like dig into your armor. And you're also going to uh, let's see what the random effect is. He actually hits himself. Oh, come on. All right. He gets even angrier as he flies into an even more barbaric rage as he gets even angrier at you. All right. Now, uh, uh, now Vin, this is important. Uh, has it been roughly a day since the tree fight? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and th- in, that, in that case, uh, I'm going to play. Uh, I'm still blinded, but I'm just going to like, I'm going to place my arm on Cass and be like, Fuck you. <laughs> it's like, you think that you're the only one who's ever lost someone they cared about. You think you're the only one who's ever thought, if only I had just done one thing differently, maybe I could have been able to prevent it. And at this point, he's going to cast Hellish Rebuke. So you cast the Hellish Rebuke on him. Uh, you're no longer blinded, by the way. But uh, you, he needs to make a save, right? Harris, you know, right? That's Harris. He knows everything about D&D. Uh, Hellish Rebuke. The target makes a dex save, I think, on a... It's half if you pass. I know that for a fact. I don't know how much damage you deal, but he rolled a 17, so he passes, so he takes half of it. 3d6, or 3d10, I believe. 
I think it's at second level, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken, it's like 2d8. It is um, 2d10 on a failed save or half and glitch. Uh, and if I cast it on a second uh, spell slot, second level or higher, which I think I have to. Yeah. No. No. Um. Second level with yes. the tiefling thing, I believe. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah right, right. Uh, I, I another 1d10 for each sl spell yeah, slot. So 3d10. So 3d10 divided by two. I'm, okay, a, so I'm a little well, upset I set up Paris as knowing everything about D&D, &D, and I'm a minute later if you get something wrong. <laughs> Absolutely mock. Here's the thing. Normally, <laughs> with innate spells, it, it has to be the lowest level, but I think with Tieflings, it literally says no second level. Yeah. So, 13, e. so 7. So he takes 7 damage, as he's put, like, he's kind of, like, lit a flame for a hot second. And that's not <laughs> even, that, uh, my turn hasn't even started yet. Yeah, your turn hasn't started yet, and then he's that going magic, to... magic, by the way. Magical, by the way. So yeah, he he doesn't take the half because of BPS. But so you see, he um he kind of lurches back with the fire, and then he screams back towards you in his rage. He says, "I know what's right, Elagos, but even still, no one did a damn thing when they knew it was right either. They diverted their eyes, and even after the damage had been done, they refused to acknowledge it." You stand here thinking that if I could have made some sort of difference, I could have, and that someone could have saved something. No. How can you ask me to sit here and tell me that I'm the only one who's lost something? Because Elagos nothing you do here will undo any of that damage. Yes, it will, Elagos. I can do it. I'm playing this tower for revenge. I'm playing you, and I'm playing the people who asked me to do this. So I'll hold on to my rage and contempt if it gets me what I want, and you are not going to stop me. And he, uh, he's actually going to go in for another blow with that. On, on my turn? Is a reaction. Yeah, it's still his turn. So he's going to make out that second attack uh, with his claws, and he's going to deal five acid damage to you as he hit, as he crits, uh, with a death strike to you. Well, then I guess. Fuck! I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, well, here I am. Uh, Elagos is going to cast Searing Smite again because I have two more first level spell slots. All right. So let me just tell you what happens before you do something. Uh, so you, oh, well, uh, the air forms around you, uh, causing a healing mist as you regain, uh, 10 health. How to punish you. All right, so I'm going to just lunge, <laughs> fo I'm just going to lunge forward at him. Okay. All right, so you, you, uh, you, you attempt to, uh, attack him, so go ahead and make that searing smite attack. Please. Uh, that's going to be a 19. Yeah, you hit. So that's 1d8 plus 3 plus 1d6. So that's 8 slashing and 1 fire. Okay, now Cass ain't looking too good. So now now that we've gotten to this point uh, in the fight, you and Cass continue to trade blows with one another, strike after strike, pummeling each other to near exhaustion. You notice now that the glow from the ground has crept up towards the center of your raised platform and has reached the image of the meditating tiefling. And as you both stand there, now both of your uh, resolves firm that you're pretty much in this fight the lift jolts to a, a halt and you both are going to have to make a constitution saving throw oh they jump it's overcast i have the high ground <laughs> you underestimate my power don't try it 17 <laughs> you you succeed so you're able to keep your uh, footing and so does cast and you uh you now feel a sharp wind whip around you and begins to chill you to the bone and as you look out around you, you see stars dot the vast black sky, illuminating it, speckling the darkness with light. Directly above you is an even brighter moon. It stands close enough that you feel as if you could touch it, despite its still great distance. 
everybody around the all the rocks have pretty much fallen where they may and there's no more lightning that is coming uh, off stray and you hear a click from below you and the gears screech to a halt and the light on the floor condenses at the very center where the pedestal cast knocked over once stood and the area on which you are standing smashes back down to its appropriate level and sends light arcing over everything so you actually now even with your constitution you fail because you've just been like slammed down 15 feet and like a wave it begins to crawl over the tower itself you can see from the space between the elevator and the pit now the jagged black rocks becoming smoother and less broken and the exterior of the tower begins to smooth and even out becoming more uniform and the pedestal that Cass had once knocked over begins to reform as it completely restores even better than it had been once been before and a small speck of light floats above it and forms a small teardrop shaped crystal and in that moment Elagos light shoots towards you and to Cass as well and then seemingly over the pit and downwards towards the side so just to give you guys a visual image like you are on this elevator there's still a gap between the inside of the tower and the outside of the tower and then you feel an incredible sense of power fill you you begin to see visions of your wish you stand in a completely white space and look around pictures begin to form in this world inside of your head of you standing at the front of your order holding a large glass to cheer out into a hall while helm's banisters hang off of the walls rows and rows upon paladins raise their glasses to you the grandmaster sits beside you grinning ear to ear and taking a hearty swig out of his mug and you even see hector leaning up against a wall looking not satisfied but certainly not disappointed you see him raise a glass in somewhat defeat and acceptance and he begins to drink along with the rest of you you have restored your order you have won your honor and all is well the scene shatters like glass and all you can see now is a dark and damp graveyard in which Hector is buried, as the hand of the sickly Grandmaster is exiling you. The scene shatters as well. You see what was once your future, and your reality, and everything that led up to it, and then a recent memory fills this space. Not but some time ago, where you forgave Hector as a ghastly blue specter dissolved into nothingness, and then you see no image at all. You look around, as if expecting some sort of sign, something to show you that you've obtained, that you've won, and then you realize... This is what you've gained. You gained a new chance and a new lease on life. And it finally shows to you, like a grand image before, a hall elegos, as you stand at its head with comrades that surround you. You raise your glass for another toast, and then you snap back. And now the focus changes to Cass. He gazes with an intense focus out into a horizon of star and shadow, as if expecting to find, staring back, whatever god or devil spurned his prayers. A frozen wind screams across the sky, ripping the clouds and spilling moonlight over the tower. Cass clenches his fists. You give a river a million years, against a continent of rock, and it'll carve out a canyon. Here, atop this tower, is the end of Cass's canyon. Far, far below this perch, the festival of Ruel rages on. The bars, restaurants, establishments of questionable legality, sometimes subject to cop raids, are all lit up in decadence and indulgence celebration and kinship and hearty laughter. In Grub's pub, a few dwarves buy around for some drow swords. The steins quickly empty as stories flow fast and the mead even faster. They trade tales of better times with worse people, of the scars they've won and the fights they've lost, and decide to tackle their next adventures together. In the beast shop, a gnomish bard honors his late wife with a ballad he plays before a quiet crowd. By the song's end, every patron is crooning along with him. In the dusk till dawn, an orc, stood up by his date, starts a conversation with a lonely bartender, 
that lasts from sundown to sunup. People celebrate tonight as if the world might come crashing down at any moment. This is life in Ruel, and if this life had been offered to Cass, he wouldn't have been so willing to rebuke it. But it wasn't, so he was. He stares back down into the tower, watching it reconstruct itself, and feels inspired. He too is ready to be healed. As a kid, he watched his mother drink herself to death, a face marble with mead collapsing into the night, rising again every morning. He remembers her final night, poking the cold of her hand, not knowing, never knowing, if she'd warm up again. He wished she wouldn't. He was made to steal and sneak for her, to lie and to fight. She broke him, and then she left. When he finally watched her be planted, he hoped to himself no flowers would ever grow atop her. He hoped he was the last remnant of life her body would ever beget. Cass was there too, years later, when Roe passed. In her eyes, he saw a woman with a lot of love left in her, grabbing gently in his hand the delicate warmth of her own. She was buried behind the orphanage, and Cass himself planted the seeds that became her rose garden. He watered it often, trimmed and shaped the flowers, and covered them up come winter wind. He would lie in the flower bed sometimes, hoping there was some sort of meaning to the act. Something, anything beyond him. These roses were a part of him. They were his namesake, Castile, and he loved them more than anything else. None of this was fair, but so little is in this world, he's come to realize. No matter what he did, he felt no accomplishment. He felt no relief and he continued to hate. His perseverance was sustained only by his loathing. He took his growing anger out in various ways, on various people. His friends were like strangers, and his strangers he considered enemies. As his profile grew, eyes of all kinds fell on him. In time he learned to hide. Blending in was easier than standing out. But the right eyes, he soon came to learn, you needn't hide from. Hell you couldn't hide from. Through these eyes, he saw wondrous things. The unholy birthplaces of weeping liches. The ruins of civilization, wiped out overnight by eldritch horrors. He saw lost worlds, and he saw some places that maybe shouldn't be found. And he saw which doors can open, and which towers can rise. And as his wish appears before him now, he doesn't see anything grand or profound. He just sees a single woman, her hand outstretched, her smile understanding all that he's been through. He sees in her the Ruel everyone else had denied him, and then the vision vanishes. Things were taken from him, he thinks in a fury. Hell, all of it was, and he was going to take it back. He was going to win. You see the promise of your wish and your future, and then you see the teardrop, beckoning you to your fulfillment. It imprints those images of a promise to be fulfilled. And in that moment, you also see Cass come back too. And he reaches out with an alarming speed, almost as if to grab the teardrop. And Elagos, I assume you're going to do so as well. Yep. All right, so make a dexterity check. Ooh, that's bad. It's uh, a 13. Yeah, well, <laughs> you beat my 10. So, Elagos, you're able to uh, you're able to grab the teardrop away from Cass, and you, you now have it within your possession. Uh, and pretty much everybody right now, you're, you're all standing towards the edge of this platform. Cass and Elagos are now within, like, an acceptable reach. They're, like, no no further than, like, 20 feet in front of you. Uh, and Cass sits there looking defeated on the floor. Cass, I'm sorry. What happened to us, both of us, 
should never have happened. We don't have to forgive and forget, but we do have to move forward. And then you see he kind of just like swipes at, it swipes out towards you and he says, You have not won yet, Elagos. I've not come this far to lose to you, and I still have my ace in the hole. And you see in that moment he kind of drops open his mouth to a gape, and it seems as if his jaws unhinge and you hear the same ear-piercing scream that you had heard many times inside of this town. And then, momentarily, you hear the bending of metal and look behind you to see eight tips crushing the edge of the platform. And with that, you hear more gears begin to turn and a yellow light stares at you as a hulking massive machine with a singular eye covered in moss and foliage climb from the side. Its torso is relatively small and rectangular with roots spreading into its core, but its limbs are massive, each about the size of one elegos. Gears are exposed from its joints and seem to creak wearily as the vines choke at them. A small tree seems to be growing out of the top of it, growing larger. Pipes line its legs and expel steam backwards as the machine shambles forward to the call of its user. Get the stone at all costs! And now we're going to roll another round of initiative. This is for everybody now. Do we know what side Avil's on or no? Avil is currently just standing on the opposite side of this, uh, just just watching this shit happen. Uh, he, he's standing near you guys. You don't know what, oh. what side he's on right now. Okay. Oh boy. I rolled an 18. I also got an 18. Oh no. Oh no. Then it happened. Yeah, that one. I got that one. I got a six. Uh, we have a 17. 17. Okay, that's actually fairly good for everybody but Elego. Uh, oh, so yeah. Let's... Oh, thank you. A six is not thank good. You. I mean. Uh, Vin, question. Is Bless still in effect or no? No, you, you should be good. Um. a hot second it's a, a lukewarm second at best okay so at the beginning of this combat uh the machine is actually going to move first as it attempts to go towards elegos so it it kind of like steams forward as you see like some sort of like gears or almost wheels beneath its feet kind of like a uh, rush towards you as steam expels backwards and forcing this thing to move forwards uh and it's going to attempt to attack you does a 15 hit no okay so you see it takes its large arm uh, and attempts to smash into you, but misses just slightly as uh, it, it's unable it's unable to uh, land its strike, and then it's going to at, stop. At this point, oh, I'm going to use my free action to speak. Yeah. Run! Run. Run. Uh, so... <laughs> pretty much. So, Awul, it's your turn now. I want to see if there's um, any, like, weak spot on this robot automaton. Thing. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead, roll an investigation check. Investigation. That was, um, 12. 12. Okay, so you, you take a look towards it. You're really unable to see something that would be considered a weak spot. You notice that, like, the torso is very small, but the actual, like, limbs are very large. Maybe there's something to do there. Never skip uh, but... chest day. Never skip chest day. Uh, and that's all you're able to discern right now. Is it looks like the, the like the center of this machine. I'm gonna back up. I'll go by... I think I was already kind of on the edge of the platform, so it's by Nash, so I'll just stay there, I suppose. Okay, so you stay over near Nash's body. And now, that, if that's all for your turn, we're gonna go into Vilhelm. So Vilhelm, you're on. 
Alright, so, Vin, you, you said that the, the torso in this big automaton was small, yes. or...? It's relatively small compared to the rest of its body. So what, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna uh, cast Guiding Bolt and try and aim it at the torso. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I rolled the 26... Not 26, holy shit, no, 23. 23 and me. So I, I assume that hits? Alright, so you roll a 23. Uh, so yeah, you, you're able to you're able to hit this thing. So how much damage do you deal? Ten. So you see, uh, this this bolt of light actually just flies out of Wilhelm's hand and strikes the exact core of this machine. Uh, you see, it kind of spill spills over. Uh, it doesn't necessarily pierce uh, this body armor, but you see like a, a small dent has been left inside of its torso as it's taken this this uh, this hefty amount of radiant damage. Is there anything else you can do? Uh, for now, no. But quick question: Is this made out of metal? Yes, you can tell. It is made out of metal. Duly noted. All right. So now it is Anders' turn. I'm gonna Eldritch Blast the stupid machine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does it count as bloodthirst if the thing doesn't have blood? Maybe. It has oil. Uh, that is a 23. Alright, Wilhelm. Alright, so, yeah, you're able to hit. Did I already make a 23 in me, Joe? Yeah, you did. Now it's 23, <laughs> 23 in we. Yeah, 23 in we now. So go ahead, make that strike. And I'm great. I dealt one damage. You see an abs- absolute Eldritch Blast just whiz past don't like, the air. do you have the thing that like, adds your charisma to it? Uh, n- I don't think he does. No. Oh, I thought you took that. Oh, yes I do. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right, so it's six. So you take... So now the, the Eldritch Blast comes out weak. It whizzes around, and then as it's about to hit, it kind of like gets larger and then smacks the torso. So light energy and dark energy have now hit this uh, hit this uh, automaton as it kind of like lurches back slightly, but still is uh, attempting to attack a Elagos here. It's kind of like pretty much ignoring the rest of your, your smacks. Uh, so is there anything else you can do, Andrew, at the moment? Uh, nope. All right. So then it's going to be Abel's turn. Uh, and Abel is going to run in between uh, both you, Elagos, and the automaton, and attempt to like set up his uh, set up like a defensive like uh, position to prevent you from being hit by it. And he he looks towards Cass and he's like, Cass, this is wrong. Stop! Uh, and he, he begins yelling towards you and he clicks the button to kind of keep the uh, to keep his staff in like a an arc so that this uh, th- this automaton can't smash down on you with its hand. Anymore. Uh, he, he takes up a defensive stance for Yellow Ghost. Uh, and that's gonna be the end of his turn right now, and you've got Breathweaver. Okay, so how far away is the robot from me? I'm standing by Kaz about. Sorry, I meant, I meant Nash. I healed Nash. Like. Uh, you're standing near Nash. The robot is about 30 feet away. And how many people in a direct line to the robot are between me and the robot? It would be... It would be Elagos and Abel. If I move... You can you can angle yourself to not hit them. So you will expend all of your movement, but you can do so. Okay. And then I take a deep breath and a uh, 30-foot line, 5-foot wide of fire comes out like a dragon's breath. Okay. So you're you're breathing fire onto the machine, right? He's raging against the machine. DC's 14 and uh, that is absolutely terrible damage. That's so bad. It's 3d8 and I rolled a 6 total. Disgusting. 
it takes it takes fire damage, but it's a uh, it okay for now. Uh, you it, can see. Did it make, the DC save uh, Dex save fourteen. Okay, so it makes a Dex save fourteen. This thing is not good at that. Yeah, fails. Okay, so it takes a whole six whopping damage. Oh, that's hot. Oh, that's hot. That's spicy. That was a second level spell that did the same amount of damage as Anders Eldritch Blast. Uh, so now it's going to be Elagos' turn. Oh boy. He's gonna go, Abel, what are you doing? Get out of here. This place is coming down. And Abel kind of just like turns back to you. He's like, this isn't right. I'm I'm going to try and make this right, Elagos. Let me help you. Is the place coming down? I thought everything stopped falling. No, no. Everything stopped falling. The place is not coming down. All right. So redo that line. Abel, what are you doing? Get out of here. And Abel kind of just like turns back to you. He's like, this isn't right. I'm, I'm going to try and make this right, Elagos. Let me help you. All right, so Elagos is kind of, kind of come up to Abel, like the shoulder to shoulder with him, put his shield up, and say, like, "I'm not letting you take this thing on by yourself." All right, and then Abel kind of just like gr- grins at you uh, and like, like starts to like brace himself even further for like more attacks. I should warn you, I've failed to defend most of the people that I've tried to, but you know, first time for everything. Yeah, now kick your friend's ass. Enough of the short talk. Let's beat the shit out of this thing. That's a, I missed. You missed? Yeah. What did you roll? A uh, three. Well, three plus five, but... It was an eight. So, it's an eight, isn't it? Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it's an eight. So, now it's the machine's turn. So, the machine is going to attempt to strike at you now, Alagos, and it's going to have disadvantage. Let me roll this one. Alright then. Uh, does it... I know this hits. It's a, nine, it's a 19. Okay, uh, that Alright, so you're able to get smacked right now. So, for the better half of this, it's it's, it's going to hit you, and it's also going to hit Abel, uh, because you guys are pretty much neck and neck, and this thing's hands are about the size of you. So let's see what it rolls. Oh, God, that's a lot of dice. What the fuck? <laughs> Alright. Uh, it rolls a four. As it, <laughs> five, five damage. Now you, how much health do you have, Elagos? Um, how much damage do I take? The that's, a, I will tell you that it it deals deals a uh, twenty six damage as it comes crashing down. Ah, uh, well, it deals enough to knock me out. All right, so Elagos goes down, and so does Abel, uh, as you both just get slammed by this behemoth. I want to slam. And welcome to the jam. So as soon as Elagos passes out from the actual, quite possible brain injury he suffered now, uh, the teardrop skids over to the opposite side of the, uh, it, the teardrop falls out of his hands and skids towards the side of the, uh, of the platform. As it's about to actually head over towards the edge of the tower and fall off, you all see from the side of this cliff some small figure run past over to the edge and snatch it up. Uh, and in a second you hear, I got it! And a small voice exclaims, and you see a small dwarf holding up the teardrop in its hand. Oh shit, it's Lilhelm! The scene changes now to Mina entering the tower with all of you. She dives beneath the murky water, frantically dissing herself from the crowd, and resurfaces behind an outcrop of rocks, jutting through the water near the room's back. This was much harder than her first job, at least with that one, Cass told her what she'd be expecting, what to do, where to go. She narrows her eyes at Elagos. That blue weirdo better pay up. She waits for the room to clear, 
then she mimics what she had seen you all do. She touches the door, fog rolls in, and after slapping the visage of one of her bullies, the door behind her opens. Exiting through a green portal, she clings to the shadows, watching the party noisily advance far down the hallway. When she sees the collapse of the staircase spanning the width of the chasm, she contemplates leaving and giving up. After all, this was above her pay grade, which as it turns out was only one gold. But she steals her resolve and maps out the terrain. It wouldn't be an easy climb, but the rocks on the leftmost edge of the cavern were close enough together for her to jump across. She's afraid. The spiraling dark below sends chills down her spine. Every jump she makes threatens to be her last. She wishes she had some help, her sister Nash or her friend Aul, but she resolves to do this on her own. She was tough, and her spirit could never be crushed. And eventually, she catches back up to the two parties, watching in the distance as they inspect the platform in the center of this hollow tower. As soon as she sees an opening, she descends and hitches onto the platform side, wedged between a small hole and some intersecting girders. And she begins to rise with the platform, clutching to the metal tightly, watching Cass's vicious strikes and hoping her tiefling employee isn't killed before he can pay up. She even sees someone, a human, who resembles that horrible dragon Aeol conjured on Main Street. He's even uglier in this form. She lets out a small sigh of relief that she ate no lunch, as she's certain it would come back up. Then, as if laying eyes on this horrible human dragon figure invokes some sort of divine punishment, a bolt of lightning crashes on the metal floor right above her. Luckily, her small yelp is drowned out by a crushing rock, acrobatic changelings, and Wilhelm's fat, dwarven rage. Then the platform jolts to a halt. A light overcomes her, and a vision appears before her. She sees her sister, Avel, Cass, all the other kids in the orphanage, and they're all listening to her, and playing with her, and she was happy. She hears a skittering across the surface of the platform above, like a marble being dropped, and feels compelled to find it and claim it for her own. As she pulls herself over the edge, she sees it, rolling slowly in her direction, a single teardrop, asking to be picked up. So she does. Elagos, if you were awake, you'd notice this, but Aul, you look in horror as you see Mina standing on the opposite end of this uh, of this elevator holding a teardrop as the behemoth lurches forward uh, towards Mina. Oh, jeez. Uh, Can I? There's a turn order, by the way. Yeah, there is a turn order, and it's still the machine's Damn. turn. Uh, so as it attempts to roll over, it gets up towards Mina. And she kind of like takes a, a small stance to try to dodge it, and it's going to attempt to attack her. How many attacks does this have? Two. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. A 26 does hit, Vincent. Stop hitting yourself. Oh, no. This is... Uh, so... Should have been you, Breathweaver. <laughs> it should have been you, Breathweaver. It should have been you. As the behemoth raises both of its giant hands down uh, oh, no. to smash into the uh, the small child. And she takes... Well, that's double lethal. Ooh. She's dead. What? I, what I, excuse me. 
the yeah the machine smashes into Mina, uh, and it, it you see as its hands kind of come up from the ground, uh, like l large amounts of like stone and uh and and like metal have bent into the area where Mina had once stood, and as its hands come up, blood is uh blood is pouring and dripping down from its uh large hands as it protrudes between both its thumb and pointer finger a small teardrop like device as it is recovered what Cass has asked it to. Cass looks over in horror at this entire uh, at this entire pretty much event that has happened now and he he kind of just like looks almost in, in shock and awe and he's just like yelling like no 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 and then he's like flipping through like a, a small book that's that's uh seated at his lap as he uh is like rapidly going through he's like it's it's okay i can bring her back i can bring them all back the necronomicon ex mortis Klaatu, barada <laughs> the automaton ex mortis oh my god <laughs> so you see uh Cass kind of like dashes towards the dashes towards the machine and uh it's your turn owl owl i don't think he would even know how to respond he's feeling i can't even really describe how awful he feels right now Lots of process too. He's not, not yeah. sure why Mina's here, how she got here, but I think his first reaction would be to probably try to get that teardrop. Though I'm not sure. Yeah, this. Mm, he's like kind of in shock right now. Um, so the teardrop is just in this thing's hands, or yeah, it's kind of holding on to it right now. Um. Would I be able to try to grab it with my mage hand? Sure. Uh, roll a. Uh, is it in? Do you have it summoned or? No. Is it also clear that like, I will seize Mina and it's she's just like. Uh, from the area in which Mina was standing, the metal that this that this platform is made out of is concaved in, and it raised its hands and blood is dripping down from its hands. You can make a couple of assumptions, but it was strong enough to knock both Avil. And Ella goes out in one strike, and then concave the ground. It's like the Mad Max she went under the wheel scene. Kind of. Yeah, so I guess he's probably assuming helping her isn't a priority, because his prognosis is grim. So we'll go for the teardrop, and I guess see if he can do anything there. So go ahead, roll that sleight of hand. All right. Um, that's a 16. All right, 16, let's roll its check to resist that. Well, I'm going to have it be invisible, too, at first, using my mage hand ledger main, so when it tries to grab it, it's going to be like almost a surprise. So give it disadvantage. Um, <laughs> all right, well, you don't get to tell me what to do. Also, how heavy, how heavy, uh, how, how much force can your mage hand exert? Um, one second. Um, it can pick up 10 pounds. So you have the element of surprise for sure. The issue is, is that this thing is a machine, uh, and it is holding on to something. So its grip is stronger than ten pounds of force. Yeah, you're not able to wrestle it from its hands, although you are able to get the ledger main around it. It's currently like pinching it, but it, you can tell it your your hand can't physically grab it. Um, I guess I'm going to now attempt to run up and use my action to maybe stab its hand or something. Try to. Try it open. Sure. Okay. Uh, attempt to stab its hand. All right. Ooh, my 23. Was that hit? A 23? Yes. You're able to hit. Yes, that is correct. 
Hey, did I make a 23 and me joke yet? Oh my god, yeah, there is a lot of 23s, and it's all on this fucking robot. Hmm. Alright, and my damage... It's connected, Jim Carrey was right. I got a... Oh god. It does six damage. Alright, so you deal six piercing damage as you strike the metal uh, that is on this machine, uh, and it, you see it just makes a small dent in the hand. That's about it. Well, shit. And at this point, it would be Wilhelm's turn. Alright, so Vin, uh, you said that this thing is made out of metal. Yes. So, what I'm gonna do... Stone cunning. Metal is really just rocks. No, I'm gonna cast heat metal. Okay, do you have to touch it for that? No. So how heat metal works is I choose a metal object, I know I cause the glow red hot. Any creature um, in physical contact with the object takes 2 uh, d8 fire. Until the spe spell ends... On following turns, I can use my bonus action to, like, make that damage proc again. And then, if a creature holding the object takes damage, they have to make a, make a con save. Otherwise, they drop the object. Um, if they don't drop the object, they have disadvantage on attack rolls. The object is the metal, right? In this instance? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, because I'm aiming for basically, like, the inner workings of the golem. Because you said they were made of metal. Like, whatever yes. gears and shit yes. I can see, they are now red hot. Okay, so the gears are now red hot. There are plants inside of this thing, so it's going to take some damage. So let's go ahead. It's two... You roll the damage for it. Yeah. Um, when I ping the spell on roll 20, it rolled the damage. I'll just take that uh, seven fire. Seven fire damage. Okay, so it takes seven fire damage, and you see some of the vines start to retreat uh, back further inside of the actual... Uh, the actual hulk, and the tree that is on top of his head starts to recede a tad bit. Uh, and in this, at this point, uh, you, you have successfully dealt fire damage to this to this machine. A uh, question. Yes. Um, uh, since the golem thing cannot drop like its internal mechanisms, does it still have disadvantage on, on attack on attack rolls and ability checks on following turns, or no? Um, I would say no because it does not feel pain. Therefore, it does not, and it's also an extension of its body. So I would say no, it does not. Uh, in this instance, that's how I'm going to rule it. So now it is Anders' turn. All right, I'm going to try and like try to snipe an Eldritch Blast into one of the gears that's now like kind of heated. Sure. So you're going to attempt to snipe it. Go ahead. Roll to attack. That is a 19 plus 7, 26. Mm, maybe yeah no you hit it uh go ahead roll your damage <laughs> it's, a so, it's a solid huh so yeah go ahead roll that damage eight all right eight so it plus takes, five so 13 so eight force damage has pummeled one of the gears and you see it sort of bends it slightly uh and the gears are moving a little bit slower now so it's 13 not eight. Oh, eight, of agonizing 13? blast Oh geez. Oh uh, yeah. So it's definitely a little bit dented on one of those gears that's on its uh, uh that that are in its uh, connectors to its limbs. So you you are able to uh you're able to sufficiently dent it. Uh, now at this point, I'm marking it down. We're going to move into Abel's turn. He's knocked out. Uh, Breathweaver, what do you got? Um. <clears throat> so I saw the tree. I'm gonna fireball the tree on its head because I saw it retreating when it reacted to heat metal. Yeah, it's kind of burning right now. It's a burning bush. Does, uh, why did I roll that with advantage? God damn it. That was a nat 20, but... Fireball. Oh, oh my god! Okay. From a nat 20 to a nat 20. 
he rolled a nat one. Uh, so I accidentally rolled with advantage, and that was a nat 20. Yes. And then I had to re-roll, and it's now a nat one. Is this, oh, now, I heard God you say fire, buh. Is it ball or bolt? Bolt. Okay. Yeah, so you throw a fire bolt at, uh, well, it would be, it would be, uh... Oh, no. Aul in this in this case you're the only one close enough. So uh, you roll your damage on Aul. Oh god. Oh hey look it's more damage than my level two spell. Absolutely immolated. Do I get a chance to dodge or does it just hit me? This is just gonna hit you, unfortunately. Ah! Now I have a question. Is is Mage Hand concentration? No. All right. So regardless, at this point now uh, you you have uh, you have struck Aul. You did some pretty good damage. You hear an owl. Uh, as you're like listening out for it, but it, it, you know that machines don't say ow. Uh, so that's not great. That was almost max damage. Good job. Uh, so at this point now, it is going to go back to the top of the turn order and we're going uh, to put in- Do I need to make a death save? Oh yeah, that's right, go ahead. Let's hope it didn't say no. A 23. <laughs> if you roll a 23, I swear to God. Oh, that's a nine. All right, you fail one death save. So now it's going to be the machine slash Cass's turn. Uh, so you see he uh, he attempts to reach out and grab the uh, the teardrop that the uh, the machine has, has has pretty much collected for him. And he's like, I can bring them back. I can bring them all back. Give me the teardrop. And he tries to uh, reach for it uh, on the machine. And as the machine stares at him with the same white light uh, that was coming out of its eyes before, you see it's turning uh, more red. Uh, due to the fire inside of it, and then very slowly, green vines start to pour out of the light that is powering this machine, and it's going to make an attack at Cass. Oh, the tables have turned. The tables have turned. And actually, mentioning that you say turn, I rolled an 18, so this hits. It kind of swivels around, so the top of its body kind of turns like giving a 360 and smacks Cass off of the tower. He's going to make a dexterity save to see if he can get out of here. So Cass, uh, uh, off the tower, was, off the tower, off the tower, off the tower. So this thing swivels, spins, and smacks him, dealing. Hold up. That's good alliteration. Thank you. Ah, twenty-four damage. Oh, he uh, did. As he is smacked off of the tower, and you see he begins to fade consciousness, uh, as you see his body plummet below, and as this uh. This automaton is standing there. It also jumps off the edge uh, down to the darkness of the uh, of the night. You guys are now standing at the top of this at the at the top of this tower. Now the teardrop is gone. The automaton is gone. Cass is gone, and Bina is dead. And Nash and Avil are KO'd. I'm gonna run over to where I saw the thing happen with Mina. I'm gonna run over to Elagos and Avil. I will go over to the edge of the tower and make a perception check. It's also, you're following an automaton. If he sees you following it, it will kill you. Like, it's killed everyone so far. This thing seems like, it seems pretty buff, but you can take a look. There is no harm in looking. 16. All right, so you, you peer over the edge down into the night of around this tower, and you see nothing. You don't see the automaton. You don't see Cass. They're gone. You can't see that far down all the way in the in the night sky, and you your vision wouldn't even allow it in the first place. You could attempt to jump off, but you don't know where it's gone or what it's done. It could have like skated down the tower and been on the other side and ran away. It could have grabbed Cass and pummeled him into the ground. You don't know. 
I'm going to give you some time to think that over, and I'm going to go over to Aul. So, Aul, you run over to, I assume, Mina, right? Where the crater is. Yeah, so you, you walk over to the crater, and you're able to see, uh, well, it is what you describe it, literally a crater. Uh, and in the center is, a, a very, very simply, a large, like, chunk, like, like chunks of flesh. Uh, blood has spilled over the entire section of the crater, and lying softly there uh, is a robe uh, that, sim that seemingly dissolves into a hat, which places neatly upon the entirety of the carnage. Oh, no. I was, like, crying right now. Oh, God. No, no. How? It can't even form words. So, Aul is distraught at this point, and uh, you you uh, walked over towards Abel, right, Wilhelm? Um, I said that I was going to go over to try and, like, stabilize them. Okay, so roll medicine on both of them. Alright. Uh, fuck. That's an eight. Okay, so you roll an eight, uh, and you... Who was that on? That was unable. <laughs> Alright, uh, he, he fails. Uh, yeah. Alright, seeing as how that, that doesn't work, um, Velma is just gonna cast Cure Wounds on both of them. I, I I know I have sufficient spells, so let's do it just to roll like the, the yeah, healing for each. That's fine. You heal them. Elagos is able to to rouse and come up, but Avil is still knocked out, unfortunately. What am I at as far as hit points? Uh, you are at one HP. You whenever you're healed, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, in my in my instance, you're gonna come up with one. All right, Elagos right is gonna rouse, and then um, he's going to cast uh because I think I still have one. I have one more first level spell slot. I'm gonna cast cure wounds on Abel. Okay, so he's already he's already been healed, but you double heal him, but he's still knocked out for some reason. You can't quite place it. But is he is he stable? He is. He seems stable. He seems stable right now. So don't don't, the, roll, don't don't want me to roll another medicine check to see if like make sure that okay he's act, definitely no no stable. he's actually stable. He he okay. is stable. You're fine. Can I roll Arcana to see um, if I can tell what's going on with him? It's like when Padme died of a broken heart. Oh my god. <laughs> Sure, you can roll Arcana to see what's going on. We'll have to act quick if we want to save the babies. <laughs> well, I think that. Uh, that's uh, 19 plus 120. All right, so 19 plus 120. So you you roll an Arcana check, and now you're not necessarily you're inspecting the area of Abel. So what you see is a smashed staff. So you look at you look at the the uh, staff that he had been holding, and you notice this to be a. Uh, Oh god, what's the name of it? Immo and an immovable rod. And it's completely broken in half and shambles on the floor. You inspect Avil and you see that everything seems to be fine. He's breathing, but he seems to be knocked out due to an additional cause. By putting two and two together, you can see that this golem struck him with the force to break through his immovable rod, which would likely have released some sort of magical energy and back onto him in a in a in a dip. He's kind of in a comatose right now. He's immovable. All right, um, Elagos is going to kind of take him on his shoulders in, like, a fireman's carry. Okay, so you fireman's carry on to, uh, uh, over on Abel. So he's o he's over your back now. And as you guys peer around, you see that uh, where Nash was, there seems to be, like, something kind of, like, hunched over uh, in the in the rubble of the rock there. Uh, Ander, I think you would probably be the one for this. So you can go ahead, roll per some, some perception, or walk over, do whatever you want. I'm going to run over there and check. Uh, that is a 15. All right, so you roll a 15 just to take a look, and you see Nash 
uh, but it's kind of weird. Like her hair looks far wilder than before. Uh, and you can see when you stare at her, at her into her face, her eyes are completely deep red. And you alone can see uh, like on her back, like a, uh, a red hulking demon just standing over here, her with like its hands over her, over her head, kind of just like blocking sight. And you see it kind of like smirks at you before it disappears. And then almost instantly after that, from her yellow coat, sprout two demonic wings that give a good flap and propels her into the air and it flies off into the night can i roll arcana or his can i roll something to try and determine what that creature was can i roll what the fuck i got a 23 on <laughs> the what the fuck i swear to god if you roll a 23 i'm actually gonna uh, oh, wait what skill is this arcana <laughs> it would be religion? what the fuck just roll what the fuck <laughs> all right arcana uh, that is a 19 on the what the fuck plus Arcana. Wait, and plus Arcana would be a 24. Oh, that's, oh thank God. you're so close. We're so close. I know. Bro, fuck. if you rolled a 23, I would have told you what it was. You got a 24, you overshot. <laughs> but, all right, yeah, so no. Uh, you good. are able to tell that this was like, uh, well, very, very much a demon. Uh, you see that it is some some sort of pact that she's made, and it seemed to have been protecting her from something. Uh, as it was covering her entire, like, in her entire face, uh, and brought her away from the tower. Okay, so I don't know what kind of demon or what what pact she made with. No, who. no, but you okay. know that it is it is protecting her for now as it flies away. But now, as Elagos had abruptly said about ten to fifteen minutes before, the tower collapsing. It doesn't begin to collapse in a typical sense, but as you guys kind of stare at each other. Uh, I will uh, fa- face over uh, over Mina in the hat. He seems to like look over at his hands, and they seem to fade, like and become slightly less opaque and more translucent. You guys all kind of like look at yourselves and the people that are around you, and you see that you're kind of fading in and out of reality at this point. You can see like you're you're becoming like less physical. Oh, did as... I stop my dad from dancing with my mom? No. Oh my god. No, you did not. And as you guys uh, kind of like look around, you see the tower itself becomes more translucent as you look down at the ground that you're currently on, and it's becoming less and less clear. Uh, well, more and more clear, less and less uh, solid, and you uh, you guys seem to be like kind of closing out of existence as this tower seems to sink uh, more into the ground as it seems to be fading away. Uh, you can surmise as much as the thing that was powering this tower and had been taken away is now gone. You uh, you all are just standing there kind of... Do you have any ideas what you're going to do? Uh, well, first let's get out of this tower and then maybe chase after that whatever that thing was, that machine. We can't leave. Mina is here. Mina's here? Yes, we need to... Can anyone... Wait. Where's Mina? I'll just like doesn't even respond. So as you are as you as you guys are here at the top of this tower, you see uh you're trying to think of some sort of way, I assume, to like get out of here, get what you need to get out of here and, and bounce, but it seems fairly hopeless. You guys are stuck at the top of the uh, top of this like wi- like this this like fucking ten to ten to twenty story building. Uh it's and and you're beginning to fade fast. And as you guys are kind of just staring around looking for some sort of exit, you uh, peer over the side of the tower, I think, Breathweaver, and you see uh, something incredible. You see two massive wings begin to launch upwards and a giant 
house slash bar is being propelled into the air. What? And over the edge of this tower, you see a familiar sight, the chillin' dragon. Except this time, the dragon is awake. Green eyes like emeralds piercing through all of you. And then the door swings open wide, and there stands Larry. And he says, What the heck are you guys doing? Oh, they fly now. Yeah, I bet you guys have seen a bar crawl, but not a bar fly. You guys gotta get out of here. And he opens up the door a little bit further, uh, and he's like, "Come on, let's go." A- Andrew's gonna kind of jump in. Uh, I'll follow. Wilhelm will follow suit. Uh, yeah, Elgos will take um, Abel, and uh, th- he'll take up his like the remnants of his immovable rod, and he'll he'll look, he'll look back to make sure Owl is following. Owl is not following. He's still kind of in shock. And all right. So you see Larry yell over to you. He's like, get in here. Come on, let's go. Um, I walk over. It's like, we have to go. I'm sorry. We can't just leave her here. And you see, oh, and like the, the second that you say that the hell you can't. And you see Larry kind of like whistles up to the dragon and it pulls the bar forward over the top. And he's going to reach and attempt to grab you will uh, to get you inside of the bar. Uh, you two, Elagos, just as like a helping hand. Do you want? Are you attempting to resist this? I want to see if I can grab. She's kind of just like not to be crude. It's kind of in just pieces. Pulled. Yeah, and sh- to shreds, you say. Yeah, to shreds, you say. To shreds, you say. I will attempt <laughs> to grab the hat. All right, you you're able to you're able to grab the hat as Larry picks you up like a small kitten, uh, and throws you inside of the inside of the bar. Uh, Elagos, I assume you grab his open hand as you're willing. Yeah. And he throws you both inside of the bar. And as you guys, uh, as you guys begin to fly away, you look back outside of the window as the tower begins to recede back into nothingness. As the ground that it was standing in quickly repairs, uh, goes back to normal, and then disappears from sight. Well, fuck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Good Job Adventures. If you like what you just heard, be sure to let us know by rating the podcast on your preferred listening platform. For questions about the cast, business inquiries. Or if you happen to be in the market for a getaway driver, not driver, driver, just a normal driver who drives not away from crime. Contact us at goodjobadventures at gmail.com. For everything else, follow us on Twitter at GJ Adventures. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.